Welcome to the Renee Frazier Show, Why Women. On this show, we talk about practical issues and cultural issues that are impacting women in our society. As an advocate for women, I look for issues and change makers who are making the way for women a much more positive and opportunistic for women to strategically grow their businesses and thrive in their lives. One of the individuals who has paved the way for many women with laws and with cases that we all have read about in our news feeds and our social media is a wonderful woman, Gloria Allred. Gloria is the high-powered attorney and women's rights advocate and activist who has been working on behalf of women related to sexual assault, sexual harassment, and so many other things. I am proud to say she's a colleague and friend of mine, and today we are going to hear her position on a number of cases. Bill Cosby, where there are still alleged victims that she's representing involved in those, The Harvey Weinstein case, where she led with several of the most important alleged victims. And then as the situations we're seeing in colleges and universities, where unfortunately women are being victimized, even by odd things like videotaping them changing in their locker rooms. And we'll talk also about the recent sad, sad situation with Alec Baldwin on the set of the movie. Gloria, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for inviting me, Renee. It's always a pleasure and an honor to be on with you because you have been an advocate for women's rights for so many decades. Well, thank you. Thank you, Gloria. I I appreciate it. I'm on your coattails watching and learning, and we're going to learn a lot today. I I know that I was shocked when I read about the Bill Cosby recent uh, court decision to overturn the sexual assault conviction. Uh, I I know that that I'm just stunned by it. Can you tell us what that really means and your reaction to it? Well, there are two uh, cases in the justice system involving Bill Cosby that are coming to the fore right now. One was the criminal case in Pennsylvania where Mr. Cosby was convicted at a second criminal trial of aggravated indecent uh, assault of one victim, Andrea Constant. Uh, I represented the majority of the prior bad act witnesses, some might call them Me Too witnesses, in that criminal case. And uh, after he was convicted, he was sent to prison. However, Mr. Cosby uh, filed an appeal all the way up to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which decided to hear the case. One of the many arguments that his defense attorneys presented on appeal was they alleged that a prior district attorney, uh, Bruce Castor, uh, in, uh, in Pennsylvania, in Montgomery County, uh, had made a promise to Bill Cosby not to uh, prosecute him if uh, he uh, gave a deposition uh, in a civil lawsuit filed by Andrea Constant. Uh, And that argument uh, was rejected uh, by lower courts in Pennsylvania. Both sides, actually the defense and the prosecution agreed there was nothing in writing 
by the prior DA uh, that constitute an agreement not to prosecute. Right. Uh, there was a, a press release by Bruce Castor, but that was, uh, you know, ambiguous about what might happen in the future or that he might be able to be prosecuted in the future, depending on, uh, you know, what certain events that if they occurred in any event, uh, even though that argument was rejected by the lower courts, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court uh, decided that uh, they disagreed that there was a promise not to prosecute that as a result, Mr. Cosby gave his deposition in Andre Constant's civil case mm -hmm. and that he made some statements uh, which could be incriminating and they were used against him in the prosecution. So they vacated the judgment of conviction and Mr. Cosby was then released from prison. The prosecutor has filed with the United States Supreme Court now asking them to uh, set aside the decision of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court vacating that judgment, uh, a writ of certiorari it's called. And to the best of my knowledge, uh, the United States Supreme Court has not yet decided whether to accept this case or not. So that's interesting. Now it let's is. move to the second case, uh -huh. which is our case. We represent uh, a, uh, a woman who alleges uh, in her lawsuit against Bill Cosby, which we have been litigating, that he sexually victimized her when she was only 15 years old at the Playboy Mansion in Southern California. Mm. That case has been there for seven and a half years, just about, uh, and it's been stayed. We've been litigating it, but then it was stayed awaiting the decision of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. In any event, they made their decision. We now have a firm trial date for our civil lawsuit on behalf of Judy Huth, who's very courageous to proceed in this case. And she's never given a press interview on this in all these years, uh, but she is courageous and we are going to have this trial on May 9th. An interesting issue that's come up in this civil case, Renee, is that his defense attorneys uh, have argued now recently to our trial judge, Judge the Honorable Judge Carlin in Santa Monica, that uh, we wanted to take a second deposition. The court ordered that he appear for a, his second deposition, but now they're arguing he could, should be able to invoke the Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination and decline to testify. Oh my. Now, why would he uh, want to do that? Uh, well, uh, he argued through his attorneys that he's entitled to invoke the Fifth because he alleges that he might be prosecuted in part because of the numerous allegations by many women who have accused him publicly of raping and drugging them. And we argued that Mr. Cosby has been the subject of unprecedented media attention since 2005 and law enforcement has had all that time to investigate allegations, 
but he was only prosecuted in Pennsylvania. So our position is that Mr. Cosby has no reasonable fear of self-incrimination. And even if he does have fear, fear alone, a prosecution is insufficient to invoke the Fifth Amendment privilege. Uh, you know, I could go on, but I will just say this, that um, that the court uh, listened carefully to all the arguments and ultimately decided that Mr. Cosby may assert the Fifth Amendment because while some law enforcement agencies have said they will not prosecute Mr. Cosby, and that includes, by the way, Los Angeles Police Department, oh my. Uh, because I obtained a letter from them saying they'd have no plans to prosecute, paraphrasing is essentially what they said, because of the statute of limitations, in other words, too late to prosecute, not anything about the merits of Merit her allegation. Right. Too late, you know, the, the court, point, uh, you know, asserted that um, they could change their minds and prosecute based on new evidence and because there are jurisdictions in this country with no statute of limitation for rape. In any event, as a result, his decision to refuse to answer questions at his court-ordered deposition, it's our position now, Renee, that he should not be permitted then to testify at trial. And if he tries to testify at trial, we will vigorously oppose his effort and argue that he shouldn't be permitted to testify at all because he declined to answer previously court-ordered deposition questions. Nice. So we're looking forward uh, to our client, Ms. Huth, finally being able to have her day in court on May 9th. Very um, aggressive stance and a smart stance. You're right. If he's not, if he wants to invoke the fifth at one time, then he should invoke the fifth at the other time. Makes uh, we'll have sense. to see what happens on that issue. Stay tuned. I love it. I will listen for that in May. It sounds like that's when that trial will move forward. Yes. May this year. Right. Got it. And let's let's just talk for a moment about the 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 braveness of these women. Right. I, I know that in the variety I read that you said my heart goes out, especially to those who bravely testified in both of his criminal cases when you heard about the Pennsylvania Supreme Court decision, because in fact, none of that decision does not vindicate Bill Cosby's conduct. Is that correct? Oh, that's such an important point. I'm glad you are focusing on that, Renee, because some people said probably out of a sense of emotion, uh, oh my gosh, they didn't believe women. That's not the case at all. It had nothing to do with the evidence in the case that was presented. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court didn't say that he should have been convicted or he shouldn't have been convicted. What they said was he shouldn't have been prosecuted by Kevin Steele, the current district attorney, uh, because of what they allege was a prior agreement not to prosecute by the former district attorney. So these very brave uh, clients of mine, many of whom testified, uh, should know that they did make a difference. Right. And it was very important that they were brave enough to testify. They did so at no personal benefit to themselves, right. but simply to advance the cause of justice and to make sure the jury had all of what they believe was were rel and the prosecution believe were relevant evidence to consider. 
Absolutely. You know, we've uh, we've spoken before about this and I know how difficult it is for women to come forward. You're listening. Yeah, to and the- then they're sitting there cross being cross examined by the defense is not a lot of fun, but they stood up for their truth. That's right. We're going to have to take a break, Gloria. So I want to bring that point back in the second segment. You're listening to the Renee Frazier Show, and we're interviewing Gloria Allred, the noted attorney and activist for women's rights. Stay tuned, and we'll hear more about this as well as the Harvey Weinstein victims. Welcome back to the Renee Frazier Show. We're talking today about some of the very serious cases of sexual assault that have occurred in this country with a woman who has been a flag bearer and a persistent advocate and activist for women and women's rights, the high-powered attorney, Gloria Allred. Gloria, we were making the point a moment ago about this case in Pennsylvania, which Bill Cosby's conviction was overturned, I believe, but it's not to say the charges were not accurate. It had to do with the legality. We covered that in the first section. And I wanted to make the point about these women. I've spoken with you before about the importance of media. And I'm going to paraphrase what you told me, and then I'm sure you'll build on it, which is one of the reasons you bring forward women who have been alleged victims is they tell their stories and then other women come forward. And sometimes it makes puts more pressure on the other side to settle the case rather than put the women on the stand where they're battered in a in a in a verbal sense as a result of cross-examination. Is that true or do you have a different perspective on why you bring them forward in these media interviews? You know, Renee, I would say that it's a case-by-case decision and that it's mainly made by the client. So, uh, and discussed with the attorneys in reference to what their goals are and how to achieve those goals. And we always respect the decision of the client, but sometimes we will advise against speaking out publicly and sometimes, you know, if that's what they wanna do, as long as they know the benefits versus the risks, that's what they're going to do. Now, we had a very big sexual harassment verdict at the end of 2019. We sued Alki David, a billionaire, on behalf of one victim of sexual harassment in his employment. And we won a verdict from the jury in LA County wow. of $58,250,000. They made, he made a motion for new trial. It was denied. Huh? So what I'm saying is, is she was very brave to testify yeah. at the trial and be cross-examined um, at the trial. To the best of my knowledge, I can't recollect that we ever did any kind of press with her or mm. that she did any interview prior to her testifying at the trial in that case. And we won that huge verdict. Likewise, we had another sexual harassment case on behalf of another victim of sexual harassment by Mr. David, Alki David, the billionaire. And our law firm went to trial on that case a few months before Mahim Khan's trial. And we won before a different jury, a verdict of an excess of 
five million dollars for our other client, Lauren. Oh my, wonderful! And again, uh, as I recollect, we hadn't done any press conference with her right. either. So it's not always a part no. Of the process. It really depends. Of course, it's a public filing of a lawsuit. Uh, if we file a lawsuit, there are cases in which, however, we can do it as a Jane Doe and the victim's name does not have to be on the lawsuit. Uh, so anyway, it's a decision, but all I can say is I'm so proud of those who are victims of sexual harassment yes. who decide yes. they want to do something about it. Yes. And, you know, of course, everybody knows we do, you know, we've done more than a thousand confidential settlements that settle the case without a lawsuit ever being filed and often without ever having spoken to the press and either before, during, or since mm-hmm. the settlement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some cases just can't be settled and they go, you know, they go to a lawsuit. And again, depending on the client, we may or may not speak publicly about it. Let's talk about the Harvey Weinstein case. A lot of visibility for that. And that was an important one. I believe there were over 80 victims of Harvey Weinstein. And I know that you handled some of the most important ones. Can you kind of give us an overview of what you accomplished and what you hope will be the result of that? Well, we did represent the main prosecution witness in the Harvey Weinstein criminal case in New York. He was charged with criminal sexual assault of our client, Mimi Haley, who gives permission to use her name, and of another person, another victim whom I did not represent. Uh, Based on Mimi's testimony, he was convicted of criminal sexual assault and was sentenced to 20 years in state prison in New York based on the testimony of an, the other victim that I did not represent, he was sent, convicted and sentenced to three years uh, based on her testimony and other evidence, a total of 23 years. Um, I also represented two other uh, accusers. One uh, was a, they call him a Molyneux witness in New York, but it's essentially it's a Me Too witness in yes. New York. And now I represent two of the alleged victims for whom charges have been filed in Los Angeles. And that trial will most likely take place this year. Uh, And uh, so So let me ask you about that, the Los Mm -hmm. Angeles trial. Mm -hmm. Um, These are, are these victims uh, employees or were these uh, celebrities that he was engaged with? Are, can you speak of that? Uh, Neither, well, neither of the two victims whom I represent uh, for whom charges are filed in the Los Angeles case uh, were or are celebrities. And uh, one of them testified as a Me Too witness in the New York case, and now she is one of the alleged victims in the LA case. the other, we've never disclosed her name. I see. Uh, and, I understand. So, but that is interesting. Uh, I did represent a celebrity. Yes. Who also testified in the New York case. But in any event, this is moving forward. 
and uh, there was a compensation fund set up I remember. for victims yes. of Harvey Weinstein. Um, and so some of the alleged victims of Harvey Weinstein were able to receive compensation through that fund. Um, in any event, uh, we're looking forward to that trial. So I represent well, victims there. Yes. There's also the case, criminal case coming up uh, possibly this year against Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy. Uh, yes. every, people know him from pornography. Yes. And he is accused of raping and sexually assaulting a number of women. I represent some of the alleged victims. You know, it doesn't seem that it's going to stop. You know, the Me Too movement has opened a floodgate of people being willing to tell their stories. I know that you've also represented true. 20 victims of Jeffrey Epstein. Yes, 20 victims of Jeffrey Epstein, some of them underage victims of sex trafficking by Jeffrey Epstein. And we did file lawsuits in New York for some of our clients. Uh, and we also uh, represented a number of the accusers uh, in the compensation fund that was set up by the Epstein estate so that we could win compensation for the victims uh, for what they suffered and what was inflicted upon them uh, by Jeffrey Epstein. So the emphasis is really on getting these people a compensation and hopefully some therapy, some healing opportunities for them to feel vindicated and to tell their stories. Yeah, gonna, I would say both. Some of them uh, would have been willing to testify in the criminal justice system. Uh, they didn't, I mean, because he died in prison, there was no yeah. trial. Uh, right. We won't get into whether that was a homicide or a suicide. But having said that, I did, you know, I believe they should get as much justice as possible, whether it's the criminal justice system or the civil justice system or both. Let's make the perpetrators accountable when they harm women and we can prove it. I love it. That's exactly right. Let's make the uh, perpetrators accountable. In our next segment, we're going to talk about what these perpetrators seem to have in common and what's going on among four women against women. And in our case, in this case, what women can do about these situations, how they can turn to the all red firm and others for help. I'd love to talk more with you, Gloria, about this particular issue and, and what we can see in terms of the what are the consequences? What are the positive things we can see coming out of that? And then we'll turn also to universities. I know that you've been involved in some of these serious cases we've seen where university faculty and physicians and others have, in fact, uh, uh, perpetrated uh, sexual assault. So stay tuned for the Renee Frazier Show. And we'll be talking with Gloria Allred in our next segment. Welcome back to the Renee Frazier Show. We're talking with the high-powered attorney, Gloria Allred, who has done work that has really changed the landscape of sexual assault and victimization of women. She's also been a strong women's rights activist. We were talking about 
the Jeffrey Epstein case, the Harvey Weinstein case, how brave these women are. Gloria, I want to ask you to tell us, where do you think, do you think we're seeing any change in the culture among men, an understanding that this is wrong and a concern for the potential consequences? Gloria, tell me, what do you think? Uh, I believe that we do not see change unless we make that change happen. In other words, what Gandhi said, we must be the change we wish to see in the world. That's what we have to do. No one has ever given women any rights. No one ever will give women any rights. We always must fight to win our rights. And that's what we still have to do. Give, I'll give you an example. In New York, where I also practice as well as in California uh, and in other states, but I'm licensed in New York as well. Uh, we are fighting in that state to change the law so that adult victims of adult sexual abuse, like rape or sexual assault, will have more time to file a civil lawsuit to seek justice against the perpetrator who may have raped them or sexually assaulted them many years ago. And in many cases, because they lived in fear of retaliation or being blackballed in their industry right. or for some other reason, they didn't file a lawsuit. So and you're talking now about it's too late and we want to extend the time period called right. the statute of limitations, limitations. so right. they can have access to justice. We've done it somewhat in California. Yes. We've done it in both states for victims of adult victims of child sexual abuse. Now it's time to do it as well for adult victims of adult sexual abuse. So I am part of that effort in New York to change the law and, uh, and, and I'm going to fight for that change. And I might add, you don't have to be a lawyer to fight for change and for justice for women. Speak up, speak out. If you have ideas for the change that we need, you should let your legislators know. You can get let women's rights activists like me know because the courthouse door should not be slammed shut in the face of victims. They need to have rights and we need to have opportunities to make the wrongdoers literally pay, pay. for the consequences of the harm they inflict on women. That's exactly right. And you're right. We have to make that change happen. I know you did it in California. Good luck in New York. Yes, Statute we did. The limitations should be way extended. There are so many reasons people don't come forward. And, and you people can see that in my Netflix documentary, Seeing All Red. They'll see how we went to the legislature with victims and help to change the law. Absolutely. It's a wonderful, it's a Netflix documentary, I yes. believe. Mm -hmm. I've seen it's, it a couple of times. I highly recommend it. Thank you. Still streaming. Still let's, streaming. Let's talk about the North Carolina case, the University of North Carolina. This is another egregious effort. And I understand you're, bet, you're, you're working with 60 students. Tell us about that case. Yes. Um, I have a, a case in North Carolina, which we're litigating and that we are co-counsel with wonderful uh, law firm in North Carolina, uh, where we represent 60 alleged victims of, that attended the North Carolina School of the Arts uh, and uh, dance program or the 
uh, drama program, and many were underage when they attended that residential school or summer program or full-time program. And they allege, some of them decades ago, were sexually abused by either members of the faculty or administrators or others, you know, in the School of the Arts program. And they were afraid to say anything or didn't because they were afraid they would not be accepted into the next year of the program. They might sure. be blackballed. And there were other reasons they never spoke out. Sure. We started with seven clients and it snowballed to more than 60. Uh, people can go to my webpage, GloriaAllred.com, and just click on videos and statements, and they'll see the whole press conference there that we did with many of our brave victims. And so this is really important because, you know, universities, colleges, high schools, they all have a duty to protect students right. and, the you students. know, provide a way for them to, you know, report and then to do something about it when it's reported like i represented you know 72 victims at usc against dr george tyndall right sexually abused and all that we were successful in getting them a multi-million dollar settlement so people you know it's good to have access to justice and yes. make these wrongdoers pay i also want uh, our listeners some of whom are mothers and fathers to encourage their daughters to come forward and uh, they're, they're, Gloria's firm, which we'll talk about at the end of the close, is a great place to have this conversation mm -hmm. and be willing to talk about the issue so that you can get compensation and that you can prevent further victimization of women. Now, I want to turn to Alec Baldwin and the terrible incident that occurred on the set of the movie. Uh, I understand you've gotten involved in this case and uh, that the DA in New Mexico is examining the issue of whether or not to bring charges. Give us exactly. a perspective. Yes, I do represent Mamie Mitchell. And Mamie was the script supervisor on the production Rust. Uh, Alec Baldwin, of course, was the main talent, but he was also a producer. Now, Alec Baldwin alleges publicly that he never pulled the trigger. Of course, we do know that he was holding the gun yes right. from which the bullet was discharged that killed helena hutchins who was a director of photography and my client maybe mitchell was standing very close to helena hutchins when helena was killed by that bullet discharged from alec baldwin's gun and my client was also uh, emotionally injured by that. And she was the very brave one who had the presence of mind to run out of the church where it was being filmed and call 911. She was the oh, first one to do sake. so. Thank goodness yeah. for that. Thank goodness. And by the way, the assistant, uh, the director was also injured by that bullet. So in any event, Alec Baldwin has said that he did not pull the trigger on the gun. Just recently on Sunday, uh, TMZ reported that the district attorney of the county in New Mexico, where this took place, this tragic shooting, uh, said that she did uh, a, a kind of a uh, demonstration, a, an experiment, I'll call it, in her office recently to see if a gun uh, such, I don't know, the same as or similar to 
the gun that was used in the killing, whether it could, uh, whether a bullet could be discharged from the gun without the trigger being pulled. Without the trigger being pulled. Okay. Now, she alleges that given the experiment she conducted in her office, I don't know all the conditions of the experiment. Apparently, she gave an interview to Variety, uh, which was just published. Everybody could read it. Uh, and she affirmed that, yes, that the bullet could be discharged without pulling the trigger. Now comes the question, is she going to file charges against Alec Baldwin? Yes or no? Uh, there's some speculation now that the answer is no if, if he didn't pull the trigger. Here's my response, Renee. I'm giving it to you first. And that is, look, Alec Baldwin caused the hammer on the gun to discharge the bullet. Uh, it shouldn't be a defense as to whether or not a trigger was pulled. Uh-huh. I mean, whether he pulled the trigger or not, he caused the hammer on the gun uh, to discharge the bullet. And obviously, the gun was pointed to near where my client was standing, and that's why it killed Elena Hutchins and injured the director. I think that, by the way, uh, experts uh, that I have consulted have a different uh, <laughs> opinion about whether a trigger would need to have been pulled or not. Yes. That is something for litigation later on. Right. But all I can say is I don't think it should absolve Mr. Baldwin of responsibility Mm -hmm. if he didn't pull the trigger. And I don't know whether he pulled the trigger or not. All we have right now is that he says that he didn't, but no question that bullet came out of his gun. No question that he didn't check the gun right before he, you know, hit the whatever right. he did. The like hammer. You're saying, shooting and by the, the way, the hammer. Okay. Well, he must have shot her right at Helena because it hit her. Right. And in addition, there was nothing in the script for the scene that that he was practicing for. And by the way, they say he was rehearsing. That was not a rehearsal because the rehearsal would have been filmed. Right. He was practicing. Mm -hmm. Why? There was nothing in the script for that scene that that called for him to shoot a gun, whether it was was a hammer. No. Oh, my God. Whether Because we have the script, and I said that at my press conference. So why did he even point it and have it, you know, touch the gun, and why didn't he check it just because the assistant director yelled out cold gun, which is his allegation? Uh, what doesn't he have a responsibility, according to industry protocols, himself to check that gun before he pointed it mm-hmm. at anyone? So we are going to vigorously continue to pursue our case, our lawsuit, and I'm going to continue to speak out about this. Thank you, Gloria Allred. <laughs> what a high-powered attorney. I think we, we heard how Gloria would present this in front of a jury or a judge. Uh, you're listening to Gloria Allred talk about so many of the important cases that she has handled and the way the laws have been changed for extending statute of limitations. Stay tuned, and we'll talk more with Gloria Allred. Welcome back. 
back to the Renee Frazier Show. Today we're talking with the esteemed super lawyer, Gloria Allred. Gloria, we've been discussing Alec Baldwin and uh, the real specific incidents on the set. As you're saying, the gun wasn't even called for in the script. And uh, a, a new opinion has been or uh, brought forward from the DA in the uh, county where this occurred, New Mexico. What are your next steps for Mamie, the woman you're representing? Well, we are proceeding with our civil lawsuit. Uh, the We have sued a number of people uh, as defendants, including Alec Baldwin, and they are attempting to uh, and have demurred, which means get the case thrown out, saying we have no cause of action. We have amended our lawsuit. They're saying that, uh, well, if she was an employee, then she has to go to through the workers' compensation system. We can't file a civil lawsuit. Interesting. Uh, we've just amended our lawsuit to say, to include a memo for when she was hired that says she's not an employee. So uh, we'll see what happens next on that. But we are going to fight to the end. And right now we're still in court on it and they haven't been able to get us out. So that's what that's going to happen. And then we'll see what the district attorney decides in the criminal case in reference to who, if anyone, should be uh, prosecuted criminally uh, for the death of for the death. Right. And the issue here is firing the gun and the hammer is the one that uh, you're you're indicating with Alec Baldwin did. And Mamie, you know, who has a decades long career, my client as a script supervisor and is, you know, she's very concerned about protecting colleagues on the set of any film. Absolutely. Often there are guns that are on sets and she wants people to be safe and have the safety protocols that are industry wide protocols implemented so that no one else faces the tragic result that Helena Hutchins, her, her dearly loved and respected colleagues suffered. Excellent. Excellent. There really needs to be more protocol and guidelines. And so will never, ever happen again. Uh, we'll stay tuned then to hear what happens in the case of Alec Baldwin and the other individuals in the civil suit you mentioned. I want to talk about the universities. We uh, we talked about the University of North Carolina. I know there also is a high school where you have identified uh, uh, alleged victims uh, under uh, who were, as I understand it, videotaped while they were changing their clothes. Uh, we're seeing so many of these institutions where they get away with it with students. I want you to tell us a little bit about the high school case, but then let's talk about what parents can do, practical things we can do to make sure this doesn't happen to our girls and our boys. And that's so important because I'm all about what action can you take to stop violence against women and violation of the rights and dignity and bodies of women and girls. Now, for example, in the Los Osos High School case in San Bernardino County, which we in which we are representing, uh, I think it is 49 victims who are concerned that they may have been videotaped secretly when they were changing their clothes uh, at Los Osos High School. Uh, by uh, one of the coaches. And uh, of course, that's hugely embarrassing and a subject of great concern, both to the young girls and also to their parents. 
Uh, there is a criminal case pending, but we've also filed a claim against the school district uh, on this issue. And at a certain point, we will be proceeding if as and when the claim is denied to file a lawsuit. In any event, the parents are very upset about what you know, may have happened and in fact did happen to many sure. of the girls. And even just the anxiety of not knowing where they taped or not, they were in the room many of them changing where ultimately a camera was discovered. Uh, it should never have been there. Uh, so I think what everyone should know is they can always speak to a private attorney confidentially. They can speak to law enforcement. They may no problem speaking to law enforcement. I encourage people to speak to law enforcement if they think a crime has been committed, but you have no confidentiality. When you do you have speak, no confidentiality when you speak to law enforcement mm. or to a district attorney because the district attorney doesn't represent you he represents or she represents the people of that county or state whose Got law it. allegedly was violated however when you speak confidentially for example to me as a private attorney or to any other private attorney uh, and they can do so you know at no charge there's no charge for a consultation and always is confidential even the fact they contacted me let alone the content of what they share is confidential whether or not we can help them then they can find out the benefits and risks of all of their legal options and they may be civil it may be criminal it may be both it may be one and not the other and or neither and they can decide what to do and young girls children should know they have rights okay and and it's always empowering them to know for them to know what their rights are benefits and risks of any choices and then to decide what if anything they want to do and i think it's also empowering for the parents to know that they can help their children in right. that way right. uh, it's a teaching moment for them exactly. okay to learn that you don't have to suffer indignities and a lack of respect and boundary violations because you're a child you can do something about it. That's right. So I'm so proud of my clients. I mean, I'm tough. I stand up for people. But for many victims, it's their first time. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, fear is the weapon that keeps women and children victimized and well, afraid to say anything. But when they can speak in confidence right. to an attorney, there's nothing to fear because it will never be revealed. And they can learn information that will help to dispel the fear and empower them. I think you're absolutely right. And I want parents to take away information from the show. Uh, I will say the other thing on, on in, in talking with girls who've been through these experience, there's fear and there's shame. Sometimes there's uncertainty about if they're at fault. And uh, we as women, girls, we tend to attribute to ourselves something happened that I was responsible for, when in reality, it's not your responsibility. So to, as you say, it's empowering, but it's hard. And the thing for parents, of course, is not to pass judgment, not to challenge, but to listen That's and be willing so to important. be a sounding board. That is so important. Yes. Fear and shame and self-blaming, which, of course, who benefits? by women blaming themselves and thinking they might have caused it. Only the sexual predator is the one who benefits from women blaming themselves because then they don't have to be accountable. And that's why that's a, what we call a rape myth that women should be ashamed and blame themselves. If you are underage, you cannot legally consent. 
to being sexually assaulted or to an act of sexual intercourse with an adult, even if in fact you did consent, right? The law will not recognize it. The law will not blame you. The law will not shame you. You will be seen as a victim of this adult who knew better and took advantage of you. So let's get rid of the shame. I don't sit there and criticize anybody for what they said or did or chose to do or was forced to do. I'm there to support people and what other women's rights attorneys should be there for the same reason. And let's see what options you have. And, and you will, it's a learning process for you too. And again, let's make sure that the real people who are to be blamed and shamed are the perpetrators, not the victims. Very well said. Very well said. I think it's important for uh, young women to understand this and to know that you'll have an ear with a lawyer. And I want to also reinforce what you said, Gloria, that first consultation is free and you lay out for them what all of their options Mm -hmm. are, civil, criminal. And so it gives them a much broader perspective. They can go talk to another attorney if they wish, but Mm -hmm. it's important to be able to get a framework. So you're operating with all the information. Otherwise you're in the dark. Exactly. And, and also then, you know, the time period set by law for asserting a claim or doing something. So if something happens, the sooner, the better that you can get the information that could help you, then that's fine. But in California, for example, you know, our client in the Huff case, You know, this case happened decades ago that she alleges that she was sexually victimized. But in California, we can still proceed. That's right. Again, learn what your rights are. We're there to help you learn them. Information is power. And let's all proceed to win justice for women and children. I love it. You're right. Women, we are going to do that. Winning justice for women and children. And we have the uh, stalwart. Gloria Allred on the show, talking about how that can be done. Thank you all for listening. Gloria, thank you for educating us. And thank you for pursuing the fight for women and children. You're making change happen. You really are a a change maker. Thank you, Renee. We very much appreciate it. Thank you. Everybody, you know, you can find Gloria through Googling. You can find her law firm. And again, consultation is free. Also, I advise you watch the uh, Seeing Allred. It's a great Netflix uh, story. And it's a story of her history and the change that she's made. It's inspiring for all of us. Thank you for listening to the Renee Frazier Show, Why Women? And of course, remember, I also run an advertising and marketing firm called Fraser Communications. You can find out more at our website and hear this interview and others on our website under the Renee Fraser Show tab. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Gloria Allred. Have a great week ahead. Thank you.